0: Welcome to the show. We are Captain Podcast brought to you by Mixed and Key. I am Isaac Sprintis. I'm here with my guest co-host, Mr. Adam Hignall. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm doing well. Very
0: well. Great. Great. Happy to say. Yeah. Good. So another week in music gone by. Another week.
1: Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, Some news, haven't we? A
0: little bit of news. What's the news? Wow, well,
1: the news is, uh, I think the big story is uh, music copyright. Uh, two musicians, we don't know if this is a big story yet, actually, because it hasn't been tested, but it's interesting. Two musicians have used an algorithm to algorithmically generate every possible melody that they've then uploaded to the internet as open uh, public property in a bid to basically defeat any future copyright claims um, from any artist saying that they've been ripped off, Um, which is a very interesting take on it. What do you think? What do you make of this?
0: But, okay, so if I, you know, if I write like a Purple Rain knockoff right Mm, now, right? That was before these guys already did their, you know, their yeah music protection stuff. So yeah. anything beforehand isn't covered right uh,
1: yeah you surely yeah.
0: okay so so that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of melodies but but then the other thing is um, is it right? you know mm. so then so then you know, does that mean that if the artist right now, the artist formerly known as Prince if he were alive and he wrote a song today, and then I wrote the same song a week later. Mm. Is that right? Does that mean that I didn't infringe on his copyright?
1: Yeah. What, has it, has it, it's been released and then you wrote it or did you just, you happen to both write it within a week of apart without knowing? No,
0: I mean, like if I release, if we're talking, if I intentionally do. Oh, it. you intentionally just, do it. Just, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So you just go, I like that. I'll just mm-hmm. use that. If those, I mean,
0: if those laws don't exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. why not? Well,
1: that is, obviously, there will be people that do that. Uh, and I, I think that's probably wrong. Um, would it be unpunishable for, for me to just rip off your melody next week? Uh, or, you know, uh, a pop artist or whatever, Taylor Swift or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, I totally see that that is wrong. That there should be intellectual property. Um, but it's like, if this, what they've done can kind of ward against some of the more malicious uses or interpretations of copyright law, for example, this, um, who was it that was sued by Sam Smith was sued by Tom Petty, um, because his chord progression, which is like a four chord progression, which has probably been done in like a thousand songs already, but he said, Oh, that sounds a bit like oh, mine. But it's and so successfully sued him. That's ridiculous.
0: No, no, but that was also the melody. That was very much oh, the was
1: melody. was it? Okay. So I, you, I haven't actually seen yeah, the song. Yeah. <laughs> I just got a really strong opinion about okay. it. <laughs> uh,
0: so, <laughs> it's good. Well, I mean, I think that's actually a perfect uh, representation of you and I. I mean, you probably know the Sam Smith one very well. I don't know that at all. I know the Tom Petty Oh yeah, Ten no, one I only know the Tom well. Petty
1: one. I haven't got a clue yeah. about the Sam Smith one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, okay, what, yeah. so what is your take on that? That particular example? Uh, um,
0: I think that particular example, I think is actually pretty spot on. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's, do you need to sue? Does it have to be, you know, does it have to get to that Yeah part a little bit like there's a part of it where it's like, this is kind of the same song. So, you know, if they're rewarded 10% mm-hmm. royalty or something like that on the, on the master. Yeah. I think it's fine because it's really a lot of the same song. Right. Okay. You know? So
1: the melody was, was it's hard. significantly similar to, to you that, you know, to me. Interesting.
0: Yeah. My point of view is you have, um, there's some, there's definitely things where it, it it infringes and it goes too far as a copyright. I'm a mm. huge Led Zeppelin fan, but I do believe that the Stairway of Heaven is very close to that to that track that people claim it was copyrighted from and, uh-huh. cha- and copied from. And if you listen to it, you know, um, you hear it, and then the question is, did they hear it? Well, Zeppelin had this band open for them on part of their U.S. tour, and they listened to it every yeah yeah you know, every gig yeah on that tour.
1: And yeah, I think come on. But did they but right. did they go, right guys, their riff is awesome. I want to steal that. I think we I think like we should we'll just take it. Or were they like, you know, free spirits just thinking like, oh, like sometimes you just subconsciously pick things up. Um like it goes in it goes in and it comes out in a creative outlet and maybe Maybe they didn't realize at the time, but then what they created with it was something that was their own and they felt that that was okay. Uh, It was a huge hit.
0: It's a tough, it's a really tough question, right? If it's, is it inspired by, Mm. is it an inspiration or is it, um, you know, a copy? Yeah.
1: Well, well, if you want to get really deep, was it Bob Dylan that said, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't write songs. Songs come to him and they are, in the atmosphere, like if you're open enough, you can just be a conduit to what is happening. That's why we get, um, it's one of the reasons I think why we get, um, music that sounds of a particular time, because it's not just people going, this is big. This is selling right now. I want to sound like that. It's the, uh, the sort of vibrations of a time have an influence on the, what people create. Um, maybe it's, you know, I'm getting a bit philosophical, but you could argue that nobody really owns anything that comes out of a guitar or a piano because people are just expressing themselves. And if it sounds good to you, it probably could sound good to somebody else. It doesn't mean they went, that was a great hit for Tom Petty. Let's, you know, um, cynically rip that off.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. (laughs) But I haven't
1: convinced you, have I? (laughs) <laughs> You've not convinced me
0: because those scenarios, when, when I listen to them back to back or yeah. compare the two, yeah. it's a little close to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. too close for comfort. And it's the, and it's it's the music not,
1: industry, so they probably have cynically ripped it off as well. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm defending Yeah.
0: It. I mean, how are you, like, the, I mean, it's a, it's a Zeppelin scenario. Like, how are you not hearing the opening band, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they have a six-minute song that goes through all these different chord changes. Mm. You know, and a year or two later, you have a six-minute song that goes through all these chord changes and has similar melodies. Mm. Yeah, rough.
1: I see your point. So, you know, but like,
0: I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know they should lose the song mm. or that they give up the entire song or that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm saying you know a five ten percent you know writers yeah credit share yeah. to the but person. But then I mean, it's the same thing as it's the same thing as um, mm. it's like bittersweet symphony. Yeah, right? I was going to raise know? that one. Yeah, mm. yeah, like you know they stole the sample yeah, from an old record mm. and they stole from the stones, they did. you know, yeah. and it became the riff of the song. Yeah. Now I wish that band still existed. I think it was great music. I think they made great music, yeah. you know,
1: yeah. but the verb,
0: the Verve, but that, that song bankrupted them it from did. what I believe, you know, yeah. just because they, they took it illegally, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um, I don't think that punishment fit the crime it's my perspective yeah, but yeah. that you know you can't do that at the same time no
1: but i like, mean that sampling yeah. i mean that literally is the music that it's the recording you know it's like i see that slightly differently but if you compare that to another lawsuit which um basically ruined um an artist though he did ruin his own reputation um in a fairly spectacular way himself, but Robin Thicke, right? Um, mm-hmm. His track, uh, what was it called? The one that... Blurred,
0: Blurred Lines.
1: Blurred Lines, yeah. Very dodgy mm-hmm. lyrics. Um, uh, yeah, not a fan, but the Marvin Gaye estate took him to the cleaners and it wasn't because he'd sampled the... And it's this is percussion as well. It was because the percussion sounded a lot like the Marvin Gaye song that, uh, the name escapes me, uh, and it was simply a case that the, that the percussion sounded the same. Um, that's crazy, isn't it? I, that I
0: agree with you. That that one I didn't find to be as blatant to me as some of these other examples. That to me was inspired by. It. That to me was the track was in the style of. Blurred Lines feels like an original tune to
1: me. Yeah, and, yeah. I suppose the, the guys who did this, um, every melody, uh, thing, I suppose they are probably from the, uh, kind of viewpoint that it it's, you know, all expression should be free and the, the lawyers are ruining things and blah, blah, blah. I, I like, I, which I do to be honest, sympathize with, I don't know how I'd feel if I exactly had my work directly stolen. I suppose I have to have a bit of sympathy for that. But I do totally um, feel that we're in danger of losing um, the soul of music by everybody looking over their shoulder about a potential copyright um, claim, especially as so many songs have been written. Really, how many more melodies are there? I mean, we've we've got one note melodies now. Taylor Swift's famous for it. One note melodies, one note melodies. Is everyone going to sue everyone? I mean, you it's know, true. where do
0: you? Where do you I, it's, yeah, I look. I agree. I'd rather there be less litigation, yeah, and yeah. less suing. But do songs copy each other? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, and I think that's what I think. Actually, what I was kind of saying was the punishment should probably be a lot lighter in some of these rules yeah. and the findings. Yeah, that makes yeah.
1: sense totally. But when you get lawyers involved, the avaricious. They want as much as they can get, I suppose. So it's an interesting... There's a lot of
0: money at stake. Yeah. There's a lot of money at stake. Yeah,
1: there is. There is. It's quite interesting though, because I, I mean, I have a a method for my own songwriting that is basically, I mean, if I was sort of good enough at getting what I wanted out of a song, then I'd be directly stealing from people. I listen to a song that I love and I just try and copy it and it never comes out sounding enough like it that it's a ripoff. It's just like, I can, it's always got, you know, I'm selling myself a bit short. It probably has got a bit of, you know, um, you know, my own ideas and stuff, but I really am going, God, what did they do there? Okay. I'm going to try and do that. What did they do there? That's awesome. I'm going to try and do that. So it's like, I don't know. It's like if maybe in, in the future, we've got sort of minority report kind of, um, thought readers, maybe, maybe they can Uh, sue me for that. Yeah. How dare you? Have you ever written like that? Have you ever just like tried to copy something and failed and then gone, cool, the results sound all right.
0: No, you know what? An early gig I had a long time ago was, um, the first season of America's got talent. Uh-huh. They, uh, they didn't have a, a live band at all. And people right. would go up and have to sing songs. And a job that I had was right. Like, uh, creating those arrangements and those songs for the oh, person wow, to, yeah, cool. to go up and sing and perform to it. Yeah. So we'd get these lists of songs on, on a Monday and they'd be due mm-hmm. on a Wednesday. And, um, and yeah, I'd have to like do five or six, you know, perfect, as perfect as I could do a copies yeah. of songs. And, wow. uh, you know, for me, I, a little bit, there's times where composing I'd have like temp music or music that would be in a certain style. Yeah. Um, and it would be based on the gig how i would approach it but if it were a film let's say yeah. that i was working on and there was some temp i would listen to it once and then i'd throw it away i wouldn't want right. to hear it again yeah. and i would want to i would think of the style of it But besides that i wouldn't want to inf- have it influence me if it were TV, sure. yeah if it were tv stuff and the turnaround was really quick yeah um then i would like follow the energetic arc of it at least, you know, like where where it's hitting. Um, And uh, yeah, that's, that's how I approach things. And, and actually I've learned that I'm really different than a lot of people when it comes to my writing process. Yeah. What you do is actually, I think similar to a lot of other people. Um,
1: I've been talking with a bunch
0: of different producers and, and I, I've, I've learned that they'll take a track. They'll uh-huh. take a track they're interested in and they'll throw it into the session. They'll, yeah. You know, they'll have it in the session and they'll, in addition to using it as a reference, they'll use it, you know, a sound reference for mixing. They'll use it yeah. for inspiration right. as they go. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the, it's yeah. like the Rolling Stones, isn't it? The Stones used to play Beatles songs in jam sessions and then just like sort of freestyle. Once the song finished, once the Beatles song finished, they'd just kind of probably be in that key and just jam along afterwards with the, because they... They had the style of song that they wanted, so they just mm-hmm. kind of freestyled afterwards, and that's how they wrote most of their songs.
0: Yeah, for me, when, I, when I've when i got to write something, um, I don't want to listen to anything before that.
1: So, oh, right. that's yeah,
0: what I do is I come into my studio. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll come into the studio um, first thing after you know, walking the dog and a bit of a breakfast or something.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And I, I have an hourglass <laughs> and uh, I'll take the hourglass, like a big, you know, big glass one, whatever you buy on Amazon, yeah. 15 bucks. I think yeah, it's, yeah. About, it's about a half an hour each time. Right. 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 I'll take that and I'll flip it and I will say, all right, you know, I guess to start writing some music and, mm. and I'll treat that as uh, my, my, Approaches, I just start putting stuff up in the DAW, just start getting stuff on the board, whether I like it or not, just start throwing stuff out there, getting ideas going.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, and in the hourglass, just it's like I I can't take a distraction. I can't, uh, you know, check my email. I can't do anything dumb, you know, while that's going. And I try and, you know, I try and get a few flips of that. Uh, two yeah. or three or four and uh, usually I'll forget about it if I get in a groove mm-hmm. um, if I'm not in a groove then I just keep going and until yeah. I get to a good place and for me that works as a as a way of just honing um, an idea down kind of yeah throwing an idea out there and then I refine it and then I'll add to it and then I'll orchestrate it I'll change the instruments I'll yeah, you know, record.
1: And how do you decide, how do you like pick an idea out of all the ideas? Cause that sounds like a, that sounds like a hundred ideas sort of played similar, you know, one after the other consecutively. And then do you got, do you kind of go, Oh, that was the one. Or do you listen back to it and pick one out or what? Um. So what
0: I'll do is I use, uh, I use logic as my main DAW, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I'll set up a loop and what I mean by that is I'll set up like a cycle loop within the DAW, four, eight bars, 10 bars, whatever it is. And let's say um, it's something piano based or generally I know what I have to write, you know, going in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say it's something guitar based, right? And I put, I'll yeah. put up a beat. I've got eight bars. I know what genre I'm in. I know what style I'm writing in. Yeah. And I'll cycle record those eight bars uh, for four or five minutes, coming up with different ideas. And you know, you know which idea you like more as you're writing yeah. it, you know? I guess, yeah. And then I'll stop, I'll find the cycle I like, I'll clean it up, and that'll that'll be my kind of my starting point. That'll be the that'll be the the germ.
1: You know? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's it's quite loop based then. You're you're not just freeform um, you know, writing a chord progression that mutates over um the whole song. Do you stick to loops? Well, this is just it,
0: it matters, you know, it matters. Like if it's underscore, like music for underneath a picture. Yeah, then that changes That's not necessarily loop based, but yeah, I'll be focused in on a loop. I'll be focused in on a certain section always. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So interesting. Yeah. If it's a song, if it's a song, you know, if I write, if I write for a TV show like, um, like Wicked Tuna, where I've written before, and I've got to write these kind of, you know, uh, you know, bluesy rock tunes or something like that, or, uh, and so if it's something like that. Yeah. you know, you just start and you see. Hey, did I write the chorus of the verse? Like, what did I write? You know. Yeah.
1: Okay. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you ever write melody first? I know a lot of our users. Um, we get quite regular emails from people sort of saying, um, you know, that they write melody first, and that Captain Melody's been really useful for that for them. Uh, is it something? Is it a uh, sort of a workflow you've employed much? Um.
0: If I do write a melody first, it would be for a, uh, for, for picture for generally, if I'm thinking that way, I'll, I'll do melody first, but they kind of go hand in hand with me. Just my own, my own ability allows me to do that. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, Sure. But I don't, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the better ways to write the melody Melody's king. Melody drives a lot yeah. of things. You yeah, yeah.
1: Um, for sure. I find it very difficult to write a melody first. Um, the, the sort of music I make is often not very... It mean, depends, but the housey stuff that I do uh, is often not that chord-based. Um, mm-hmm. tends to be more monophonic lines mixed together. But I still have to start with a chord progression, otherwise I just don't get which notes should or could be in it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just seems to be the way that, that it works better for me just to know what palette of notes that I've got available to me that I can then sort of, you know, screw around with really. Cause I'm not a pianistic player. I'm like, I'm like a, a learner. I'm probably like grade four kind of piano kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I like, I'm literally looking at the keyboard going, right, I can hit that black one and I can hit that white one. You know, it's not, this isn't, um, this isn't the same process that you would have at all. Um, So for me, like to to sort of know which, what, what chords I've got, give me the sort of framework for writing, you know, more.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think it's one approach and I think Captain Melody would be really helpful for this, for you would be if you had a melody... Um you have a the you know whatever melody let's say you came up with and captain melody or however yeah. you came up with it in your head. Yeah. Um yeah, I would say so. If you think about a melody, chances are that with the first chord and the melody, the relationship to the chord, the chances are high mm. that if it's unless it's a little bit more abstract, the melody mm. will probably probably be centered around some chord tones. And so what I mean by that is um, if you're in the key of C major, your root chord, your one chord is a C major triad, C, E, G. And if you have a song that plays within that and you can figure out some of the notes of your melody, um, if you're centered around one of those, specifically C and E or G, any of those three notes within that yeah. scale, you would know that, hey, probably this would mm. go well over a C chord. And, yeah. um, you know, the one and the five are the most stable of those tones. Yeah. Uh, with the major third being just a little bit less stable, but definitely identifying the scale on the chord. Yeah, And, you know, if you just center around those, I think that's one way to do it. Just think about, uh, Captain Melody has this great thing where it's the tension, tension yeah. of the note. Yeah. 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 Um, so if the tension is within the, within the blue zone, yeah. that will definitely help you identify uh, the, the scale you're in.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a chord tone, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that, again, that is, that is a really cool feature um, that you don't have to have a chord progression in melody to you have to have a key and scale. You can't use it without a key and scale. So as soon as as soon as you've selected that, um, you can jam. You know, use the idea box or whatever it is to create your um, your melody ideas. And uh, and and yeah, the tension view will kind of say um, if it's all blue, then it's all chord tones. If there's a, a bit of a mixture, which mm-hmm. is probably what you want, then you've got you you're probably onto something and that's going to be interesting. Um, and yet you haven't had to create a chord progression first, but mm-hmm. how do you choose your, how do you choose your key? And how do you choose your key and scale? How, what's your, what's your thoughts on that?
0: So a different key, well, there's two, there's two things. There's the key and there's the scale, right? Yeah. So, the key depends on if you have a singer involved and, uh, what yeah. vocal range they can work in best with your melody? Let's,
1: let's assume that you don't at okay. the moment, uh, or that you're using a vocal sample, because I think our users, you know, the majority of them are probably, um, you know, in their bedrooms, not necessarily in a full studio, not necessarily with guest musicians. Of course okay. there
0: are those that are. Well, well let's, okay. Um, all right, so what I would do is, if if I'm singing, right. If there is a vocalist yeah. and it's my yeah. own vocals. Yeah. I would generally know what my range is. I would know where I can sing and I would have keys that I prefer, you know? yeah, yeah. So that's number one. So that's yeah. the key. That's whether you're in B flat or C or D or whatever you got yeah. places, you know, I have a, I have a limited range myself. Yeah. I know yeah. my range. It's on the lower side. I know what, notes. That wh- I
1: what is get. your range?
0: Oh, I it's like, Three notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I no, I don't mean like from top to bottom. I, I mean, like, what is your, like, like you've got to know your own voice. So what's your sort of keys? Of I mean, I choice? can,
0: yeah, I can, I'm a guitarist, right? So cowboy yeah. chords, the open chords, you know, yeah. uh, G, G and E are mm-hmm. better for me. Yeah, yeah. I can hang out okay. anywhere from E flat to A is, yeah. is kosher preferred. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so in those ranges, I'm good.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice. nice. I wouldn't say
0: I'm good. I'd say I'm better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'm for some reason B flat minor is nice. I always enjoy singing in B flat minor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a great singer, but I can I can make it sound uh, much better in that key than most others. I and I don't know why. But, so B flat
0: um, minor. If you're good at yeah. B flat minor, that's also D major. But yeah. but in D major, you're going to be the higher end of those notes. If you're going up, yeah, for that scale might be a little bit hard for you, you know. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever
1: written a song in a major, major key. I don't think it's ever. Oh, happened. okay. There you go. Cool. Well, yeah. So I
0: think the next part of your question was how do you pick the scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think so. There's there is this there is a subtext to the key selection as well that I, I'd love to bring up in a second. But picking up the scale. Yep. Um, there's two things. One is what you're familiar with and comfortable writing in. Yeah. Um, the modes like Dorian and Mixolydian have characteristics that are that, that take a little bit of learning. Or if yeah. you're, Or if you're you know working without those and and doing substitutions and stuff, then you're more advanced and you can do that as well. Yeah. But but I also think, you know, the melody dictates the scale and the idea dictates the mm. scale and the mood dictates the scale. So you might think that you're starting out a major, it might turn out to be Mixolydian. You yeah. you just have to you have to develop that palette of yeah. being able to identify, okay, this is a Dorian or Mixolydian or Lydian yeah. Yeah. vibe. And this is what the vibe means to me. And this is how I communicate the vibe in my music. So that's that part of the skill. Yeah. And then I would say the key, you know, the more in tune composers of the world uh, have um, kind of moods, even that they would identify with different keys. So they would say Mm -hmm. D or B flat or A have a difference. They each have their own kind of energetic energy that they can. Absolutely. With. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: completely, I, I mean, even at my level of, of, um, theory understanding, I completely understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote some articles for our wit for our wiki, uh, page that were, um, you know, a, an article for each chord, because I think it's, it's an interesting thing, especially using in, in the, the uh, context of using our software, particularly if you're choosing that root um, key, that root chord, um, like they, if you just play the chord of like B major, that's the triumphant chord, isn't it? It sounds really bold. It's like, it's the, it's the key of sort of like fanfare trumpets and stuff like that. Like, uh, and then you play that against, I don't know. I think, I think it's D minor is like the funeral procession key um but just playing those i could be wrong about that but anyway just playing nah. individual chords you get a feeling and i think that's what you want to latch onto and just kind mm-hmm. of go right that's the feeling of my song that's where i want my song emotionally to be sitting like is it is it is it is it about a heartbreak and i want to exc- i want it to be not um i don't want to juxtapose that i want it to be literally i am heartbroken crying on the floor so it's not going to be in b major Unless you're doing something really, you know, left field. Well,
0: yeah, look, I, I think what's important is what how it responds to you and how you yeah. work with it and how yeah. you react to it. And that informing your decision on your writing is what is the advantage with that. Um, yeah. You know, blank it's hard to make these kinds of blanket statements. No uh, fun Assumptions. It's super fun. <laughs> but what I think is more important is that this is your own, like, Adam, you see things this way. You yeah, hear things that's this true. way. Yeah. So you use it. Weigh on mm-hmm. it. Like yeah. this is your this is your toolbox that you're yeah. developing and yeah. you're expanding. I have my own things like that. You know, I yeah. I'll use Lydian in certain ways, or I will yeah. use um, I will mix the modes and do like these kind of parallel modal mixture things because that's a vocabulary and thing that I feel and a thing mm. that uh, that I can use yeah. musically. Yeah. So, yeah. I think most important is developing your toolbox and mm. being able to identify these things from a uh, harmonic perspective and chord perspective and how to use them and get the most out of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: I know a lot of people play by ear. A lot of people write music by ear.
1: Yeah. To
0: me, that is what we all do in a sense. Yeah. But if you don't know any music theory, the my opinion is that it makes it that much uh, harder for you yeah. to, to use a lot of different tools. Then that, that means yeah. you have to be that much better is the truth Mm, of it. You have to be that much better of a musician because, um, because you, you can't write stuff down. If you don't know what chord you're playing, you can't write it down. So you can't come back to it. You can't, you know?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think you're speaking from the perspective of a player, but if you're like many of our users, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of it is about MIDI manipulation. Um, sure. Then I think that you can write without any theory at all and just use your ear and you can do it perfectly well because you're not it's not you don't need the f- muscle memory to for your fingers to actually perform it. you just got, i mean I, I did it for years I no theory whatsoever. Um, could not pick out a C minor against an A minor. A I'm not minor. saying I'm not Absolutely saying you not. can't.
0: I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying it's that much harder. Oh no! Yeah, yeah but this is yeah,
1: I was this is what I was going go yeah. to go and say. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's not that you can't. It's just that it takes loads of time and. Yeah you know, you go through a, a, a MIDI melody and it's like, oh, you know, it, it just, it's painstaking stuff. And you can still, your ears get tired and you can still make the, the mistake by, if your bass line just has that one note that clashes with something else, it kind of, you don't even notice it, you've been listening to the song so much, but it does kind of bum out the whole song. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is the thing that I think one of the things I love most about our um, software, Captain Plugins gives you that kind of um, framework to put your own ideas. It hasn't reduced my creativity or my ideas in the slightest, but it's just allowed me to kind of go, like uh, I think I said last week, you know, just to feel confident that Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is going to match with the rest of the stuff in the song.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, um, so so that our listeners are one or two listeners out there, don't yeah. think that we're purely just trying Hi to push. Hi, guys. Hi, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> we're not trying to purely just push caps and plugins on them. How about some other gear? What is there anything else you're looking at right now That's have, have you're interested in? Anything you're going
1: to oh, buy? Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I have limited desk space. So I'm trying to like buy and sell and buy and sell and get the perfect stuff. And I'm almost there. I have the Roland T-R-A-S as my drum machine and master clock. And I have the Minilog XD by Korg, which I've had for a couple of months, which is just an incredible analog um, polysynth. And that does my chord sequence. It's got sequences, so that's important for me. Um, as I say, I can't play that well. So that does my chord um, progressions, and I've got the Behringer Crave which is being used for my bass lines, uh, and then I've got the Moog fan, which is uh, for all of my kind of bleepy, bloopy, sound effects sort of stuff, like freestyle, kind of semi-modular, and that works perfectly, but I've seen one new product, which is kind of in my budget and also um, just exciting enough to make me think that would slot in very, very nicely.
0: Tell us about uh, it. it. What is it?
1: Yeah. Electron have just released the model Cycles, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting thing. It's an FM drum machine. So that means it's a frequency modulation drum machine. Uh, and it's it's a little bit like the Digitact uh, sorry, the Digitone, which is their frequency modulation synth. Um, but it's been kind of, um, you could say it's a. It's a reduced version, but I think the reduction makes sense. It's half the price for one thing. And the reduction is that they've kind of potted the sounds into, um, bass drum, snare, metals, um, chord and stuff like that. So they've kind of like restricted you in a way and limited some of the functionality, but so that it makes sense as a drum machine, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is just like, it looks super useful right out the bat. And, um, yeah, like, Brilliant! I, I'm very excited by it. Have you seen this? I'm taking a look at it right now. It looks yeah. great. Do you know? Do you know much about frequency modulation synthesis?
0: I have, I have experimented with it on mm. a um, on a modular emulator. I've been messing oh, with yeah. that. So yeah, so yeah, I, I would have a, uh, a a voltage control amplifier that I would connect. To the frequency modulation to yeah. to modulate the oscillator with some FM. Yeah, and I don't really know what's happening,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I've, like,
0: I've done yeah. the wiring. But yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. I'm not an expert, but it's. Uh, it's basically uh, frequency. Obviously, is what modulates through a digital signal, and it's sort of um, the sound that it creates is based on the relationship between the filters, so the, the high or low pass filters, which can be applied to the sound or the signal, as the resonance and frequency modulation um, is altered. So that's why you get these s- sounds that m- that move, whereas sort of an analog sound, um, let's forget about LFOs for just for a second, an analog sound is going to go sort of grunt at you and just go, that's me. Whereas a frequency modulation sound, it's all about the movement. It's like um, marbles sort of moving. It's like so it's going boom, um, boom, 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 exactly like that. Nice, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all move. The sounds all kind of move, which make it just really skittery and sort of digital sounding and clean and clear and and just it's very different to the way I normally um, use sounds um, and just yeah, really fun. Nice.
0: fun stuff. Yeah. Sounds fun. So, yeah, I want to check that out. I I've checked out the Digitone that they make and they yeah. make great stuff, so yeah. Yeah,
1: they make lovely stuff. Yeah. Very so interested. That could be next to my list. What about yourself?
0: I'm I'm kind of in the guitar pedal buying mode over yeah, here. nice. So um I'm looking at these POG Electroharmonics ones. I'm going to pick up a uh, pick up one because I've got the room on the pedal board. It's yeah. the I'm going to just go with the Nano.
1: Okay, what does Although, that
0: do? It it's, uh, gives you, it's a really fast tracking um, uh, octave shifter, but it doesn't actually shift the octave. It gives you the octave above and the octave below that you can kind of fade in, right? Oh,
1: okay, yeah.
0: And it's, so you just have them all on mixers, how much of a blend. There's another option called the Pitchfork by them. Yeah. That has got me interested in as well. And that l- allows you to pick any interval, not just the octave, but it doesn't ah. have the blending options of right. the hog. Yeah. Okay. um and really it's just I, I have a little bit of space left on the board and I'm just almost done tying everything down. So mm. it's been it's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside That's of awesome. that, outside of that, if I were if I were just building a studio or if I was just starting out right now, mm-hmm. I have to say the SSL to USB yeah. audio interface that they created would, yeah. would be my pick because to mm. have, have an SSL, you know, audio device at a $225, $30 price point yeah, as your, you know, as your analog to digital device, I think it's amazing. Um, yeah.
1: What's
0: what's SSL stand for? So SSL is Solid State Logic. They are yeah. the makers of some of the most desirable mixing boards on the planet.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Um, and they make, you know, they make devices that are used in you know the biggest nicest studios in the world. They yeah. Costs. They they're priced very high. They yeah. cost quite a bit. Yeah. And they're worth it. And they make you sound great. Things sound yeah. great when they go through the mixing board. Yeah, So it's um, a consumer level, even, mm. you know, completely consumer level audio yeah. interface built by these guys that has mm. some of their analog console, you know, technology, some of their, you know, if you were to have an SSL 4,000 4, board, yeah, you know, these things, are, these things are up there in price. And to all of a sudden yeah. I have that as a smaller... Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's been a big a big shift towards that recently. It's it must be because more people are using hardware. Uh, it just yeah. must be. There must be an increase in the, uh, the 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 customer base because otherwise I don't know how they could afford it. But we've seen these companies or, or loads of companies start releasing Korg with their Volca series, Behringer doing all these mm-hmm. clones of legendary synths, um, the SSL. Uh, interface like you're saying um there, there's i mean I've also got the Adam audio t7v monitors which were like 140 pounds each and Adam audio monitors would often fetch upwards of four five six ten thousand pounds um so this and and the 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 actual gear is really high quality in all of these cases it's really almost almost the same as the really expensive stuff. Uh, and there's been a shift to that. The industry's changed. It's a very exciting time for us penniless um, music hobbyists, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It is it's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it, more so, uh, you know, every single day there's, be- there's more examples of people making music in their bedrooms. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all composers for years, have are- been making music in our bedrooms that is on TV and in mm. commercials and people, can't tell the difference, you know, no, no. And commercial music more. So has just been going that route for a long time.
1: Yeah. You, you know, by, by its very nature, Yeah, you know, it's, it's, if you want, if you want fresh ideas from younger people, then they're not training themselves on expensive instruments and hanging out in rehearsal rooms all day. Mm-hmm. They're hanging out in their bedrooms. They're yeah. having their ideas there with their friends around. Um, and if you're going to latch onto that, then you're going to need to accept that the music's going to be made. I mean, a lot of it might be mixed and mastered externally. Of course it's mastered externally. But yeah. even so, I mean, this is this is the democratization of music making. And I personally think that it can only be a good thing.
0: It, it, yeah, of course. Of course. It's great. What, um, I think the lesson that is being learned and that people are 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 trying to incorporate is forms of analog summing. And it's been a trend for a long time. Mm. You know, Luna, which is going to be the new kind of recording system. Don't call it a DAW by uh, Universal Audio. Uh They have some analog summing emulation kind of mixed into everything you do. So I think it's, it's definitely the trend for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gets you to a place of sounding good quicker. Mm,
1: Yeah, exactly. That that would, that would be the drawback. If this, um, kind of analog summing wasn't happening, if people weren't after a more analog sound, then music would by its very nature of starting to be made in the bedroom within the box, um, gear, it would start sounding more digital and cleaner. Uh, you could argue that in many styles it does right now. Um, You know, you think of uh, grime music or whatever. There's not a lot of analog summing that's going on there because the it's literally everything's kind of what what Dizzy Rascal made his um, album "Boy Under Corner." I don't know if this is a big genre in America, by the way. Anyway, uh, grime um, Mm -hmm. was was, is huge in the UK, and the first big one of the first big artists to make it made his um, album that like won prizes and stuff. Made it on the um, on a console on the Super Nintendo, I think it was, just on like a cheap little game for, that you could make music with. Um, yeah. And I think the way that that I mean, and and by its nature, it did sound digital. It did sound clean and harsh and sort of mm-hmm. and all that. But if we're lo- looking at the bigger picture, yeah, people want it to sound like it's been made in an expensive studio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't. Th- I think that's it. That's that's the kind of music that we've listened to in the past and been really, you know, we've fallen in love with because it has a certain, certain sound to it. You know, the analog sort of little mistakes, artifacts in the sound. I find it really, really important to have that. That's why saturation is so important when you're making music. Um, you know, I get sent demos for my label, and one of the big things that I just stop listening if everything sounds too, too clean, too polished.
0: There's a glue. I think it's like a glue that yeah. occurs between the different elements when it gets uh, when it gets analog sums. And, and the first time I noticed that I was working with this composer, and, and he brought me in to play guitar on something. Yeah, and he had all the same software that everybody else has, you know, yeah. and that I was very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And he was just playing like simple string pads on. That came with complete, you know, right? Like yeah, yeah, most yeah. straightforward stuff, and I was playing acoustic guitar recorded in, But he had one of those Yamaha mixing console desks, you know, and yeah. and it was just it gave uh, just a polish to everything, mm-hmm. and and that's what I I think you can get there without uh, an analog summing. You can get there without it. I yeah. just think with it you get there quicker. Yeah. And then you can quickly yeah. get there and it, it just gives a cohesion quickly. Mm. And it doesn't need to be a full desk. You know, there's like these API makes these um, kind of analog summing uh, just rack units. There's a bunch yeah. of different things. Danger box, I think it's called, D box. There's a bunch, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. Distressor but, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean there's it's a huge market there's some amazing plugins out there for that purpose so there was a bit there's a, a new plugin out that you have your eye on am i right
0: oh yeah the ovox the waves yeah. i mean Ooh. everybody i i first saw the little you know commercials and there was a nam and um you know it does a little bit of what Vo- vocaloid does yeah it does a little bit of little bit of everything but i think yeah. what it does the little bit of it does it in a clean straightforward way so mm. it gives you um p- you know what this is like the pog like the guitar pedal i was telling you about right <laughs> it, it gives you it, you can do octave or or uh, uh you can do um different chorusing effects yes it multiplies yep. your voice pitch yeah. shifting pitch correct yeah. all sorts of things like that and it just makes your voice into a bit of an instrument, you yeah, know? yeah. um, something people have been doing for a long time using yeah. auto tune and these other effects, but instead yeah. this is, yeah. this is the instrument effect. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It out. And it, it, it can do crazy stuff and make you sound like a Martian, but can it do, can it give you, can it make you, so your voice just, um, sing the same thing in different pitches, but sound really natural? Will it, would it do that?
0: No, I think it's not for that. Uh-huh. It's not for the melodyne, you know. Yeah. Pitch correction, it's for the effect and sound. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, I what I mean is not correcting the the initial recording, but will it will it um add voices to your to whatever you sing, whatever you run yeah. through yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of you can make multiply. a chorus out of your own voice sort of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And it that's mm-hmm. really cool. I I've seen um some people do that. There's a guy called Mark Rebelay. Do you know him? Uh, no. Mm. Makes um, on makes up on the spot sort of songs. Uh, he's huge on YouTube right now. Uh, very very talented guy. Just plays stuff and loops it. Plays stuff and loops it. And his loop pedal um, thing, Loop Station thing, which is the Boss RC505. Uh, it has this function that he uses all the time, which is a very similar thing. So he'll sing something, press a button. And play, it, play that loop that he's recorded back, but it will sound like it's got, you know, it's, it's him playing it in different, singing it in different pitches. So it immediately thickens it up. Great mm-hmm. for choruses and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so a nice tool to use if you're at home um, wishing for a chorus or whatever, um, you know, it's uh, a faster way of re-singing everything um, in, in different pitches. Sounds cool.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm gonna check it out. At least, definitely do the demo and see if I keep it. And uh, yeah, I know it's being used on quite a few records right now. I've been yeah. Um, I've been recording some of these videos, by the way, for Mixed and Key. We're gonna have some. I believe the name is Mixed and Key TV at this point. Mixed where we're and just, Key
1: TV. Yeah. So we're just. So doing, you're, you're you're a star of the silver screen now. You've you've made your YouTube bow. Is that the silver screen? The te- the oh, I think, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. What, what color is that screen? It's a white and
0: red little arrow box. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so we've been interviewing different uh, different people within our profession. Uh, mixing yep. engineers, producers, some Grammy winners and some really Amazing. talented people. Yeah, it's been great.
1: Name drop. Give us some name drops. Who have you been talking to?
0: Oh, I can't tell you right now.
1: Oh, it's a we're, secret. We're going to keep oh. them a secret. Let them come out, and we've got yeah, some they're...
0: really big names coming
1: soon. We got Ooh, some big names. That's exciting! Oh. Yeah, maybe next so week. You, maybe next. You've week spoken two. to them already, is that right?
0: We have nine episodes in the can.
1: Oosh, um, that is good. Yeah, Get in the
0: ground running. Yep, and uh, we'll see what's coming out next. Um, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So the first, the first one, the one that we we did post, um, that's out the bag. That was you being interviewed. Who's interviewing you?
0: That's our friend Kiba. She is a uh-huh. very talented singer in her own right, and yeah. artist and friend Amazing. of the company. Excellent. And yeah. yeah, and so she interviewed me, and it was what great. did you guys talk about? Well, I, you know what I told my music background, I think, and I told what yeah. I, I told her talked about what I do within Mixed and Key, and so yeah, you know, just kind of. Shared a bit about myself and yeah. answered some hard-hitting questions that she threw mm. at me, and yeah, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, uh, awesome.
1: yeah, it looked great. It looked brilliant. The studio looks amazing. Thank you,
0: thank you. What I was going to say though was, in those discussions, I have spoken with mixing engineers and recording producers at big studios in Miami that are already using this Ovox to great success. So, uh,
1: really. Yep
0: so even if uh you know sounds like this will be coming soon on records on big records
1: yeah, yeah. exciting i i'm i'm yep. i am i did not know about it until we were we were chatting earlier i'm going to uh, going to investigate that for sure um sounds sounds great the the, the video advert just yeah looks brilliant it looks like mm-hmm. it can do pretty much anything um so that's a, that's an exciting new tool Absolutely. it's been a while since waves have made new stuff hasn't it i can't think of much they've
0: yeah, mm-hmm. waves the you know, they tend to work within the mixing sounds manipulation yeah. realm. Yeah. And of course, makers of really high quality iconic mm. plugins and they are, it, yeah. they're one of the uh the leaders in the industry. And yeah, but this is a little bit of it seems like a departure from them. This is a bit more of an instrument uh, versus yeah. something that's a, more of a yeah. Yeah.
1: So I mean, to say sense. creative tools. You can be really creative with a lot of the Waves plugins, mm-hmm. but this is a more of an, yeah, as you say, it's a more of a creative instrument like tool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Exciting times. All right. The industry is changing. It's happening in front of our eyes. Uh, it's a very exciting time.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I think next week we'll be, um, I think we can talk a bit about what's coming up soon within Captain Plugins and Mixed and Key just to kind of tease yeah. our next week. Yeah. episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And so um, but we'll we'll wait till then. So until then, Adam, have a well, great week.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah. I'm I'm just gonna uh I'm just gonna uh interject with some news about the podcast, Captain Podcast. We've got some oh, yes. guests lined up. Oh yes. Yeah. Um I've been uh chatting to a few people about coming on and talking about their experience using Captain Plugins. I just shoot the breeze with them, really. Uh, first two lined up are uh, we have Yam Hu, who is the head of um, Midnight Riot Records, and which is a uh, very successful and very popular new disco kind of disco house record label. Um, they play out in Ibiza all the time, residencies all across the country in the UK and festivals all over the shop. Very, very talented, very nice bloke. Looking forward to chatting to him. And also Mr. Bird, who is, um, he's written music for, uh, BBE or Barely Breaking Even, which is a very big, uh, label with the likes of DJ Spinner Chris Reed, uh, uh, Louis Vega, little Louis Vega. uh, And he's going to come on and chat to us about how he's found using Captain plugins to write some music for, um, for new releases that he's uh, got in the pipeline. So that's pretty exciting. That's very exciting.
0: Can't wait to hear that. Um, Great. Thank you, Adam. Have a great week. Yeah,
1: you too. Thanks for chatting to me, mate.
0: Talk soon.